Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Sagamore Spirits. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how you doing today? You know, I'm doing good. I mean, I'm getting more and more excited. You know, we're now officially about two weeks out from the wedding. Getting real close. Very excited for it all. You know. know. Very close to a special occasion. Yeah. So, getting very excited for that, ready to have some fun there, but um, I know we're going to have some a lot of fun today Oh, absolutely! Uh, going over this episode. So, this is uh, it's interesting that you brought this one up, because this was your idea to record this, and it, I was actually really excited about it, because this is one that I've been thinking for, you know, about a year now, or probably about yeah. six months now, that we should really, you know, I've really been thinking we need to get into this one, so I'm ex- I was excited that you mentioned it, and I'm, I'm super excited to talk about it, So because it's very different in a lot of ways than some of the other ones that we've talked about. So, Andy, why don't we dive right in, tell the folks everything out there that they need to know about Sagamore Spirits. Of course, I'm ready to dive in this one, uh, talk a little bit more than the Ravens here, because this one, <laughs> Sagamore Spirits, is. Um, f- they were founded in 2013 in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, home of our arch nemesis, Baltimore Ravens. No, can't stand them. <laughs> can't stand them. <laughs> um, they had a great draft, which I hate. Yeah. <laughs> They had a really good draft, but Bengals had just as good of a one. Um, <laughs> so we'll see if the kitty goes meow again right. this year. Um, but, you know, they were founded in part um, back then in 2013 to revive the deep history that Maryland had, you know, about 150 plus years ago um, in making, um, like, fantastic American rye whiskeys um, as a state. And then also to break the notion that, you know, good American whiskeys should only come from kind of the Midwest, especially from Tennessee and Kentucky. Sure. Um, That was really their ultimate mission to say, hey, we shouldn't just think of Kentucky, Tennessee, rest of the Midwest. You know, as we've talked about in other episodes, they're the only people that are good for whiskey. We can make good whiskey here on the East Coast. But, um, yeah. You know, that history is really embedded in Maryland, um, where, especially prior to a lot of, like, the 1800s on forward, or, like, the 1850s on forward, um, Maryland was known as, at that time at least, you know, making really, really great rye whiskeys and just whiskeys as a whole. I thought they were known for crab cakes and football. <laughs> I mean, that's things they're known for, but, you know, historically they were also known for rye whiskeys because it was, you know, a grain that was very historic to Maryland, um, at least, you know, very early on in America's history. Um, And it was something that, you know, this really is best exemplified by the fact that um, rye rye whiskey was something that, you know, they were known for as the state Maryland was um, for producing in the early Americas, in the early American colonies, a hundred literally at least one hundred and fifty years prior to Kentucky even being a state. So wow. it's something. It's something that you know, as a state, they have. Even though they had a little bit of a lapse there, you know, they have a lot more time 
prior to, you know, Kentucky being known as a distilling state. True. Um, but, of course, it was something that, you know, by 1910, there were at least 44 distilleries up and running uh, in the state. And it was, excluding at least Prohibition, 44 distilleries um, up and running around that time by 1910. Uh, and it was a hotbed for rye whiskey. Um, because really rye whiskey had not, and rye as a grain, had not been introduced to at least most of the rest of the U.S. Um, sure. But of course by the end of both World Wars and Prohibition, um, by the end of both of them, especially the Second World War, um, Maryland never really recovered um, from that just loss of distillation power because... In part because of prohibition, you know, that 15 to 20-ish years where they just couldn't distill anything. But also is because, um, you know, during both of the world wars, uh, a lot of grain and a lot of distillation was more converted to primarily ethanol production for the war efforts. Sure. Uh, which, of course, you know, in World War One and World War Two was very important. You know, I'm not going to discount that, but, you know... As whiskey drinkers, we like our ethanol because that makes great whiskey, <laughs> um, at least here in America. Um, it is a big part of making great whiskey. But, you know, then they had kind of that lag from about the 40s or 50s all the way up until, you know, the early 2010s in 2013 when, uh, at least in 2013, if not sooner, but as far as Sagamore is concerned, 2013, when... um you know, they started really distilling again in the state to bring that heritage and everything back. And much like Kentucky or Tennessee have, um, you know, a lot of their history and the process starts with the water. Um, and it's something from that, at least for Sagamore, um, they get a lot of their water from... Uh, nearby Sagamore Farm, which I think, if I remember correctly, is where partially the name Sagamore Spirits comes from um, for the distillery. But it's something that, you know, why I say much like Tennessee and Kentucky, um, the reason they kind of boast that history is because, and why they choose to source it from Sagamore Farm, is because the farm sits on a natural uh, limestone aquifer, which... If you know your bourbon in Tennessee and American whiskey history, that's something that for us here in America, we really sit here and our limestone helps to filter out a lot of the supposed impurities in the water mm -hmm. to um, then, you know, make great whiskey, uh, at least in terms of having, you know, not as much impurities in the water and throughout the process that you had then have to filter out and do all that process with. Um and then it was something that, you know, they then take as much as they can now. And I know at least initially, I think they were using a lot of MGP distillate. But I think now they're more, much like High West is doing now, starting to source a lot of their own or distill a lot of their own distillate and impart it into their um, bottles and everything. Um, because I know looking at the bottle, you know, they do mention, uh, where is it? Um... You know, they do mention distilled in both Indiana and Maryland. Um, 
which is something that probably they still use at least a little bit of MGP distillate in there. But originally it was almost 100% MGP distillate. Um, but it was something that, you know, now with having all that grain harvested and mashed in Maryland, they're really trying to get the grain into Maryland um, and from Maryland in order to mash it and make as much of their product 100% homegrown, basically. Um, yeah. And really just make as much of the process kind of like just locally sourced everything there. Um, just kind of the whole process there. <clears throat> similar, then, similar to the way kind of High West did it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they wanted to start out doing, uh, and many other just craft distilleries, but, you know, Sagamore and High West being two of the biggest names there, like you said. Um, you know, it's just something they kind of wanted to sit there and start out sourcing, but then end up making their own product as much local as possible because it's the heritage for them. Um, sure. And, of course, this all ends up going into a variety of award-winning whiskeys that we'll talk about later but um, in just a second. But originally, you know, like I said, it was a blend. They ended up using a blend of three different MGP rye mash bills. Um, you know, kind of similar to what MGP did, but MGP di- could different, somewhat different approach in terms of having more bourbon-focused mash bills, whereas... Sagamore Spirits is exclusively a rye brand. Right. At least as of now. Uh, exclusively a rye brand. Um, so they did. They were at least initially doing the 95.5 MGP mash bill, the 51.45.4 rye mash bill, and the 51.49 rye mash bills. Uh, and they ended up sitting there doing them, as far as I can find in research, undisclosed ratios of those three different mash bills. Like, I don't know how much of like the end product was 95.5, how much of it was 55.45.4. So I don't officially know, at least as of now, uh, without talking to them and their master distillers, like how much that ratio was. Um, but they used those three primarily to start. And then, like I said earlier, a few minutes ago, you know, have slowly started to work that, their own distillate in now that they have more barrels aging, more distillate coming off the lines, everything like that. Um, sure. But like I said, off their product, they're still using, at least as of now in 2022, um, when the bottle that we have was available, they're um, still using at least a little bit of Indiana distillate, which is more than likely MGP still. Um, but all of this ends up going into a few different products. Uh, of course, their core lineup is their Signature Rye, which is the one that we're going to try today. Their Double Oak Rye, their Cask Strength Rye, and then a Bottled and Bond Rye. And then they have some o- their own uh, canned cocktails that they do, much like a lot of other smaller craft distilleries. And um, I think like Cardinal Spirits, Spirits was doing, uh, just to name one that we did in the previous episode a couple months ago. Um, are kind of starting to come out with now that the whole uh, canned cocktail seltzer craze is right. coming out. And um, then they also have their own reserve series and a um, 
which is primarily, you know, a whole bunch of cask finishing or aged state of rise that they're releasing on the market. As far as I can see from their website, that's primarily what that reserve series is. Cool. Um, so that's basically everything Sagamore Spirits. And they definitely have awesome. a very cool bottle. You know, it kind of looks like a diamond. Um, yeah. For all it's of a you. very recognizable bottle. Uh, we'll get ourselves some, some whiskeys poured here. Like you said, it's a kind of a diamond shaped. It's got the Sagamore Rye right on the front. It's uh, it's honestly, I've never had Sagamore Rye before, and it's a very common, popular whiskey. So I've been very excited to pour this episode and excited to taste it. So I would say, everyone, pour yourself a glass of the Sagamore. Uh, spirits rye uh, whiskey and we'll do the tastings here we're gonna as always start with the nose see i'm getting a lot more rye on on the the, the, mm-hmm. the nose here than i did on like the the rye for new riff for example that we did on, on friday oh yeah yeah this is definitely a lot more stereotypical uh rye nose like a little bit more spicy still a little bit of that mint but it's definitely toned down comparative to the new riff single barrel rye that we tried yeah. uh, See, last like Friday. Every, I feel like every time you like smell or taste mint, I'm smelling and tasting orange. Like I'm still getting the orange peel, the orange flavor, a little bit of vanilla with it, a little bit of oak. It does remind me a lot of the new riff actually, but a little more like rye forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, I agree with you. It's a lot more rye forward. But, and I kind of still get some of those stereotypical, like, bourbon notes in it, where it's, like, oak or bourbon notes yeah, in yeah. it. Or, um, not bourbon notes, orange notes in it. Sure. But, um, you know, some of that, like, mint, kind of, like, just, like, like very fresh f- flavor coming off of, like, it coming off of it. Just, like, very minty, fresh um, thyme, maybe not fresh thyme, but, like, very fresh herbs coming off of it, like mint. Yeah, see, I still I'm getting orange and not mint. Yeah, I think we're just conf- we're just confusing those uh, those flavors. But yeah. let's give it a taste. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. It's good. I like it. Um, very con- again another rye that's very consistent across the. The nose and the palate. I'm getting similar flavors. A little bit of oak, a little bit of that yeah. orange peel, a little vanilla yeah. sweetness. And but little, still, again, more rye, more ryeness to it than what I got out of the the new riff one. For example. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot more stereotypically rye, like you said. I mean, it's very and a little bit more bourbon notes in it, at least on yeah. the palate. Like it's very orange notes on it. It's very spicy. It's very um, kind of oak forward to an extent, but the oak doesn't last as long for me. Uh, I get some of that, like I kind of get, I've already have like a mint milk chocolate wrapped around an orange. That's kind of what I get in it. Like, you know, like the orange that you like crack underneath for like Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I get, like orange peel, milk chocolate, mint. Very much with a little bit of like oak note to it, yep. or like a woody note to it. Yeah, and I think it's a very, very short finish. Doesn't very it, short. Doesn't stick around very long at all. Yeah, not might be best way, in a cocktail. I think 
it's still not quite it. Like it doesn't bring me, it doesn't get me to the point where I want to come back to it as much as I did with the new Riff Rye. Yeah. But it's similar where it's like it fades away quickly and it's like, oh, you want a little more of this, don't you? All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review, share, and listen to every episode of Distilled Discussions. Check us out on Instagram. We really appreciate your support. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey, and don't worry, America. We'll be here to drink with you next week.